What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazday. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What can I say? That was a really fun episode. Uh, Matthew Gallagher, what a cool guy. Uh, what a come up story. Just, you know, from poverty to building over a business with over 300 million in revenue. Just a really down to earth, cool guy. And we hear all about his ups and downs and learn a little bit about watches. So great episode. Super fun. Hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazi. And boy, do we have a special guest, my man. Matthew Gallagher is in the house. Matthew, welcome to the show. What's up? How are you? Dude, I've been... I'm amazing, man. I just literally had it... Before we got on the call, I, I, I'm, I'm pitching a private equity fund that I'm starting right now. And I and this guy hits me up. And I in the middle of the conversation, I figure out... I did not know this at all going on that he's a freaking Chinese billionaire. <laughs> that was the call I had before this podcast. Yeah. How many houses yeah, in like, Vancouver did you buy? Dude, he literally, he literally was like... We're, we're raising 20 million bucks and he's like oh well, i could take it all down and we're like what the fuck nice. that's a good surprise <laughs> dude my, my my partner and i were like uh that that was unexpected yeah i literally walked in like i never even met the guy before yeah um so anyway, anyway i'm doing amazing when cool. that's how you st- that's when that happens at lunch like that's a good day that's a good day <laughs> i oh, can't man. say the same i met no billionaires today uh, you know, so they come in all shapes and sizes. You, you, the day is not done. It's Cinco de Mayo. I saw a future about. one in the mirror this morning, though. You know there, I mean? there you go, baby. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at one right now. Maybe two. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you mind if I uh, do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll get popping? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. All right. So for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People are living their passions and those creating greatness and doing so despite the odds. We love, we love the underdog story here. And my main man, Matthew, here is not the short of passion or greatness. So I was telling Matthew before the show, I was like, you know, like we went, there's actually a service of Guestio that, that we, we, we found him from. And, uh, and, and I was telling him, I was like, you know, we looked at probably 50 people from that that asked to be on the show. And I think we chose three. I mean, it's hard to get on the show. And he had a really cool story. So I was like, you know, you guys, listeners know I, I'm all about the cool stories. So really pumped to have you here, man. Um, you know, excited to, to tell your story and, and to learn more about like what you've done. But uh, if you don't mind, I want to give your formal bio and then we could pop into an origin story. Does that, does that work for you? Absolutely. Awesome. So guys, and, and do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Which is your I, preference? I like Matthew. Awesome. Cool. That's well, I always like to people to call people what they like to be called. So uh, Matthew, it is. Uh, billionaire. So, call me billionaire. Bill, Bill, <laughs> that's what is it? Uh, Matthew Gall- Gallagher, billionaire. I identify uh, as billionaire, so thank you. I, 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 I do as well. well <laughs> we got that in common. Um, so Matthew Gallagher is the founder and CEO of Watch Gang. It's the largest watch club in the world. And I was like, that's interesting, man. Like, whoa, it's you have $300 million in sales in this business. And you got a really interesting you know, childhood. We're going to be talking about that as well as your commitment to philanthropy. So uh, man, I, I'm really pumped to have you here to, to really talk about this business that you've built and how you built it and, and really how, how you've gotten to the where you've gotten to in the world today. Coming out of L.A., California, one of my, my old stomping grounds. But Matthew, if you don't mind, can you give us a little bit of your origin story? For sure. So I, uh, I was born um, in 85. Very lucky to be born in America is what I want to feel. That's what I feel. But we were, we were super poor. I mean, we were in like extreme poverty on every level of like government assistance, homeless at points in my childhood. And for whatever reason, um, I, you know, I always like to think that the way that people operate has something to do with some event that happened, maybe even that you don't remember, but I, I felt entrepreneurial since I was like five. 
I remember walking around a trailer park collecting rocks that I thought were pretty and I would like knock on people's doors and try to sell them. And someone bought all 10 of the rocks that I had out of my milk crate for $1. And then I had never had a dollar before. And I ran home and I showed my dad and he obviously took my dollar dick, but yeah, total <laughs> you know, dick move. I know, really? I know. But yeah, I mean, what, what it taught me was that I, I had some ability to make money without the help of other people. So it, it always drove me. And for my whole life, I have been trying to make and sell things or create something. And I got lucky in that. Um, I had an uncle that was doing much better than we were. And he gave me a, a laptop from his company that was going to get thrown away when I was about like 11 or 12. And I convinced my dad to let me get a net zero CD from Walmart, which gave you free internet back then. It would just put ads all over your screen. And so I, now I had a like a computer and the internet and I learned how to like code and uh, like browse online. And the first website I ever had was a GeoCities fan page for Weird Al Yankovic. Wow. And wait, 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 were you an actual Weird Al Yankovic fan? I fucking loved Weird Al Yankovic when I was a kid. <laughs> I still love Weird Just Al eat it. Yeah, yeah. Just I, eat it. I would listen to his stuff all day. And what was your I, favorite Weird, Weird Al song? It was, um, I think it was the Running With Scissors album. And this was back, oof, I think it was in 98 or 99. And it was... No, it might have been a little light, later than that. I don't remember. It was um, the, my favorite song, though, from his was uh, Tooth Decay. I think it was what it was called. Oh, and, what, and, it, and it wasn't a parody. It was one of his originals, and I loved it. Um, and, yeah, I just – I was a super fan. And so I built a fan page of his, for him. And you know what's crazy is that, like, a year ago, my mom was going through some old boxes or whatever, and she had a, a CD – that she had burned as a backup of her computer and she had the files that I had made from that site. And so I got to see it like 25 years later. Wow. Like, trash garbage website, but <laughs> no, super but, but cool to see it. Most websites then were garbage. So that, that's, that's not, that, that's not saying much, but, yeah. but I mean, so, so let me ask you a question. Did you ever, yeah. did you like the movie UHF? Were you a big fan of that movie? You know, I think it came out when I was like in my, I'm not really a weird owl person anymore. And I never saw yeah. it. You were like four. <laughs> oh, what, what year did it come out? 89, 89. Oh, okay, yeah. So then I just, I wasn't a weird owl fan yet. Yeah. Okay. So, so since you are, sounds like, are you still a weird owl fan or is that just like I mean, it's nostalgic? Been, it's been a while. I think that it's a, it's nostalgic mostly. Uh, okay. So because it's nostalgic and like, li like, so I'm a little older than you. I was born in 78. Okay. So I was nine, I was 11 years old when that movie came out. And, and that movie, I saw it in the theaters. Wow. And it was like, it was like a spoof of every movie. So oh, it was okay. like the way he, so so yeah so you should check it out like just uh, just for will. fun just for, I didn't okay, even know cool. that, that that's what it was so it's like his movie version of what he does for music yeah so there was like a scene where he's like pretending it's I think it, you know what it was I think it was like there's moments where he's like basically making fun of Indiana Jones there's tons okay. of Indiana Jones spoofs in there it's a spoof of all the movies that were popular in that yeah awesome but it's like but it's like a but it's a it's its own movie like okay. it's like it's a, it has like a, a whole storyline and everything i can't wait um, i mean when i was growing up i was loving movies like that like space balls and uh yeah, yeah i think that was totally. mel brooks right yeah like, yeah that was, was mel brooks exactly yeah, so yeah. so it's kind of like of that same you know of that same ideology cool all right sorry sorry to interrupt so so you so you got the the disc you saw the old site so you were building websites how old were you then you were like it was in, the, in like, it was in 98 so i was uh 13 oh oh wow okay so yeah so you so you're a young kid mm -hmm. 98 you're like junior high school building websites. Yep. And, 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 and how did you like progress from there? Um, so I was just like doing that nonstop and, uh, had angel fire sites, GeoCities, zoom. There are all these like free web, uh, site sort of hosts that existed back then where you go to like geocities.com slash, and then some characters and then your, your site. And I had a hotmail email address, um, uh, and yeah, I was just, um, I was just involved in that for a couple of years until like my, one of my teachers asked me, Hey, do you know how to make like a flyer? I, I want to do pet sitting when I'm not at school. And I'm like, I could figure that out. And there was no Google, but there was like, I think there was Yahoo and Excite and Dogpile and maybe Ask Jeeves. These were things back then that I would use instead of Google. And yeah, I learned how to like, uh, make 
some very basic uh, flyer for her with like little tabs that you could pull off so she could put it on a light post or a tree or something. No and way. she ga- she gave me like 10 bucks for that. And I had never had $10. Like that was amazing for me. And I just kept going. And then I, and then I did it for myself when I start like mowing lawns for like neighbors. And then I can't remember how I got connected, but some lady that worked for like this, like the little County that I lived in, I was in a very small like city. Like we only had 2000 people, 70 kids in my graduating class, like no grocery stores. It was a little village. And this is, this is Ohio. Yeah. In Ohio. Okay. Called Batavia, Ohio. Batavia, no way. Yeah. There was a Batavia Street where I where I used to really? live. So I know the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Batavia cool. was like a it was like in it's in Orange County actually, in, in the city of Anna. Wow, I've <laughs> never heard anybody even know that that was a word or hear of it or anything. So oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. Everyone hung out on Batavia. It was yeah. the hottest of the hot. <laughs> yeah, it is now. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, yeah. They have a gas station now, so that's cool. Holy um, shit! Yeah, so they're growing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this lady would uh, she paid me like. 10 bucks an hour, I think to randomly come in after school and just like help her with like website stuff. And I just kind of just went from there. You know, I, I was always making things, making websites. I ended up making like a free host, uh, provider when I was like 18 and I sold it for like a few thousand bucks because I had like 10,000 members that would come in and like, just, it was a short domain name and it was called pogs P O dot G S back in like the year 2001, maybe, or two. And this is like, back then, nobody even knew there was not .com and .net only, or .org, right? So I found mm-hmm. it. GS, I think, was like the South Sandwich Islands or something. And and I just, I I, I loved Pogs when I was a kid. And I yeah. got the domain PO.GS. I'm like, this is sweet. What should I do with a short domain? I'm like, what if I create my own GeoCities, basically? And that's what I did. And I, I sold that for like a few thousand bucks. I bought a car with it. Um, and I just kept going from there. I actually, in 2001, I had a website with my best friend, Joe, and it grew so large. I mean, it wasn't hard back then because, you know, we were competing with like hamster dance, random crap that like, <laughs> you remember? Um, and, uh, it grew to a point where we got recognized out in public a couple of times and like the radio station in Cincinnati invited us on and interviewed us. And oh, I was wow. like 16 and I just, I've always loved it. Love the internet, love making stuff. And, uh, yeah. And what, and what was the, the, that was Pogs or that was a different website? No, that was called mattandjoe.com. It was oh, like a, is it, a dumb just you guys? blog. Yeah. Like a blog that we made where we would just like talk about stupid stuff, go around the city and take pictures with this little, like little digital camera we got from Best Buy. And then we'd upload it. Our favorite, like we would make flash cartoons. I used to make those and then upload yeah. them to the site. Just really dumb stuff. That's amazing. That for our listeners out there, you're like, dude, I can. If you did that shit now, nobody would even bad. They would. They wouldn't care. It's so hard. It's so easy to create now. It's so hard yeah. to create then. Yeah, yeah. You know, you were competing with TV back then. Yeah, basically. So. And my dad <laughs> did not understand this stuff. He was like, "Why are you not outside playing baseball?" And he's like, "You should be out chasing beaver." I'm like 13. Yeah. I'm like, uh. Well, this is gonna make me rich one day, and he yeah. goes, "Okay, yeah, buy me a boat when you're rich." <laughs> was it all HTML or all HTML? It? Yep, all HTML. And then the Flash stuff was in. This was before Adobe owned it, and it was Macromedia Flash back then. Yeah, and I would make uh, I would make cartoons and upload them to like Newgrounds, and then upload to my own site, and then I like would find other bloggers out there, and then we'd like link swap with each other, so we'd exchange traffic. It was just like this community of people that were. Like they were online early building websites. It was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Hey, business leaders and decision makers, get ready to supercharge your success with the ultimate source of business leadership, wisdom, Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is your daily dose of practical advice for better business management. Visit hbr.org for the latest articles like The Art of Setting Expectations as a Project Manager or AI can help you ask better questions and solve bigger problems. But this isn't just a list. I personally found the article on AI absolutely mind-blowing. It changed how I approach technology and analytics, providing real-world tools for better decision-making. And don't miss the HBR Magazine. It's published six times a year, offering timeless insights around crucial management themes. Perfect for those moments when you just you know want to get away from the screen and dive deep into some transformative content. But wait, there's more. HBR delivers top-notch podcasts, videos, and real-world case studies. From HBR on leadership to the big idea, HBR covers it all, providing invaluable insights from the best in the business. Harvard Business Review has been a game changer for me. It's challenged my thinking and made me a more effective leader. And don't forget the newsletters. Stay up to date on a variety of business topics, ensuring you're always in the know. Ready to elevate your leadership game? Dive into hbr.org, explore their podcasts, read their magazines. The wealth of knowledge is at your fingertip. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content started only $10 a month. Go to hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code greatness right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code greatness to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and your business. So, so, so you were probably what, were you even out of high school at this point or the, you know, that you were 13 in 2000 and what? Uh, 13 and 90, 98. 98. Yep. So 2001, so, so, so I was uh, 16. 16. Yeah. So you, yep. so yeah, you're 16. Bought your first car. Your dad's like, my lazy son sitting there like nerding out. Yeah. Not, not, and I not playing ball like the good old boy yeah. he should be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it from Craigslist. It was in the same trailer park I lived in. And I just walked over and uh, I gave him uh, 600 bucks, bought the car. And I, it was like this old shitty Ford Taurus. It was like, it what was year? Like a, 89. Like an eight, 89. I was going to say, is it 89? Was yeah. it black? No, it was uh, silver with rust all over oh. it. And the first thing I did was like run to AutoZone and get like wax. And I washed and waxed my rusty ass car because I was so proud that I had a car. Listen, for all you listeners out there that aren't appreciating what he's saying, I had a 19. I graduated high school in 96. Okay. So I'm a little older than you. My car in high school is an 83 Toyota pickup. Okay. Nice. So third, so so your car was about thirteen years old when you got it, and my car was thirteen years old when I got mine. There you go. And I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I put some cool rims on it. Mm-hmm. We cleaned it up. We actually took, we actually bought Chevy S <laughs> ten seats and ripped out the seats and put S ten seats in, which wasn't a great idea. <laughs> but we, dude, we painted that thing with like spray paint. Yeah, and like made it look nice. I mean, you, you when you have a like shitty car, oh yeah, like everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we put we put a, a nice like Harman Kardon CD deck <laughs> in, like, like we dude, when you have a shitty car, 
and you're a 16 by the way now kids are 16 don't give a crap about cars because they uber everywhere or yeah but like when we were a kid i have a friend actually uh, she was my former cmo and she's this amazing cmo like her husband basically created all the like a rock for chevy uh mm. commercials for for chevy and all heartbeat of america and all that stuff but she said look if you it when for now freedom to a teenager is a cell phone that means yeah. freedom Right. And they kind of take it for granted now, but like, mm-hmm. like, like I, I'm a parent, like dude, my kids, like I'm, I police the cell phone. Yeah. Like, they're not, there's no social media. Like they just, you can use it just for, actually my younger kid is not even allowed to be on the phone. Yeah. Um, but my 13 year old, he can use the phone a little bit Yeah, for nothing, nothing but like YouTube and like talking to his friends. Yeah. Um, that's freedom now for, for a teenager is a cell phone. When we were, there was no cell phones in the late 90s, probably early 2000s there was, but they were like these little shitty Nokias, which yeah, I yeah. love. You play snake love. Yeah. yeah, you play snake, exactly. Yeah, a T9 so type. Free, so freedom back, exactly. To, like A, yeah, yeah. B, <laughs> yeah. three, uh, anyone watch the video, I just pressed three buttons and the yeah. three buttons is one letter. Yep. Um, now, I, again, I got my first cell phone probably around 1998, 99. Um but but that was not freedom. That was just like, all right, I don't have to go to my house phone. I could just make a phone call somewhere yeah. else, which was not that big of a deal. It was actually cool. It was cooler than like not having a cell phone. Yeah. But freedom for a teenager uh, pre-iPhone was a car. Mm-hmm. That was like you could go do something by yourself, be by yourself, and like go hang. So getting a car was a huge deal. It didn't matter if it was shitty or nice. Yeah. It just mattered that you had that freedom to go. So how did that feel, man, when you got that that Taurus? Oh, it was unreal. I wanted to go grocery shopping. Like I would do anything to get out of the house and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. let my dad like get my dad to let me leave, you know? And I would I would just drive to a like a parking lot and just sit and then I'll drive circle. Like actually, there was a thing that people would do when I was like 16. They call it cruising the strip. We would go to the the city outside of our village and literally just drive in a circle on a Friday night around the strip. Because that's what everybody did because we lived in a little town. And so it took like five minutes to circle it. So we'd circle a couple of times. We'd go into like Steak and Shake and grab a burger, sit in the parking lot. That's just like, that's what we used to do on a Friday night. And uh, we, it was we just like to, you said for the freedom. Yeah. We would go to Taco Bell and get in fights. Uh, <laughs> that was, no, I mean, same idea. Yeah, there, yeah. Uh, my city was bigger, but yeah, the teenagers would go to a party or they'd go to Taco Bell and get in fights. Like that yeah. was like... That was the thing because again, like there was no internet really. Yeah. I mean, there was the internet when you were growing up, but like I would grow up pre-internet, you know. And so it was like there was kind of, but no, there wasn't a lot to do on it, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, like there wasn't there. Was, it was not the entertainment hub it's become. It was yeah. just like a thing you can go watch porn on it barely, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> so so yeah, so that's that's interesting. So so how did you like uh, tell us more about the entrepreneurial endeavor? How did that transform? Um, well, I, you know, I saw pretty early that no matter what it was, I was pretty decent at finding ways to make some money. Like back then it was much less obviously. And it was enough to get me interested, get a car. Right. Um, even if it was like, I had a paper route, you know, these are things that I was like, I, I get the autonomy to do something on my own. Kind of, I had jobs, which I always hated. And I moved a lot. Like I, I worked at McDonald's. I did Chuck E. Cheese, you know, these, these type of things that you do. And then yeah. Awful. <laughs> I was how the, long, how long, how long were you at McDonald's for? I was there for about, uh, six months and then I the went, grill or front. Uh, no, I wasn't. I don't think I was allowed on the grill because I was too young. So oh, I, I started mean, working there when I was 15 out. and a half. Were you on the grill? Dude. Yeah. They, I, Cause I, I, they'd put like the good looking kids in the front and then I got to work the grill. <laughs> yeah. Girls. I think you were just, you, you were just older. So they let you. <laughs> It was the worst job ever. Like, you want to hear a funny story about that? Absolutely. All right. So, so I'm working the grill first day on the job, and my boss, who I'm forgetting his name right now, was like, he called me Darius, which I hate when people call me Darius. He's like, "All right, Darius, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how to, you know." And then basically, they have these frozen patties. So when you think of a McDonald's patty, it's, it's frozen. Yep. And they're like hockey pucks. So you gotta like break them, and then you put them on the grill, and they put this like press down on them. So you press them down. They cook for like two minutes, and then you pull it up. When you pull now, first of all, they're like seventy five percent fat. Mm. Right. So when you pull it up, they're shooting fat in like all over the place because it's like just the way it's designed. So then you got to flip them and then press it down again. Dude, I'm getting hot grease just shooting in my face. And I swear to God. So I'm like, first of all, that sucks. Right. Like having yeah. hot 
fat like beef grease burning <laughs> your face. <laughs> Anyone out there listening like want to enjoy doing that? Neither did I. And this is my first moment on the job. And um and then he goes, uh, and I sees me like flinching because the shit's burning my hands and my face. And he goes, Darius, it's only in your imagination. <laughs> I'm like, bullshit, it's not. You should throw a little on him. Oh no, he he got used to it, right? This guy's been yeah. doing this probably ten years. Wow. So it was it was the worst, and I did it because I had to save up money to go to wrestling camp in Minnesota. Oh, you and wrestled? It, I wrestled in college and high school. Yeah, nice. And 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 I want to go wrestling camp. And my parents were, although my parents were not poor, my parents like were like, you, we don't pay for anything. You got to pay for your own shit. And so I had, I want to go wrestling camp. So I had to like find a thousand bucks, which was this is nineteen ninety four. It's kind of hard to make a thousand bucks. Yep. That's four bucks an hour at McDonald's, so I had to work for four months. But yeah, that was wow. a brutal. It was the worst job I've ever had, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was sucked. I left after six months. I had a similar thing happen to me with the. Uh, they did let me do the fries, and that thing oh. was just like you know. Oh yeah, and yeah. I start hearing the beeping because it what would happen is you put it in, and then it would beep after a certain number of seconds. So you know, to like take it out, put it back in, or change it. This thing would be. I, I would have sleeping issues, like thinking about. I'd hear it in my sleep. I'm like, oh. I gotta get out of there, and I, I left. I went to Chuck E. Cheese, and I was the I was the rat for a while. I cooked for a bit. I was a waiter, like, and then uh, yeah, I just I was I was hating that stuff. You know, it was awful. But I always had side stuff going on. I was always hustling on the side yeah. to try and do something. You know, um, and yeah, I got uh, I I got a job at my so the uncle that gave me the laptop, he put in a good word for me at his company. It was an insurance company. And I got hired there when I was, uh, I think 17. And I was making eight bucks an hour sitting in a cubicle in air conditioning, taking phone calls. And yeah. instead of like, you know, in a grease trap. Uh, yep. And I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I made it. You know, $8 an hour is crazy. I went from making, I was doing five fifteen at McDonald's. And uh, yeah. so yeah, I was just like, this is amazing. And on the side, I would be still into tech, doing some light, light HTML coding, figuring out PHP back then. And I would build computers as well. So I'd get parts from like Newegg and I would like piece a you know, computer together so I could do like a LAN party with my friends and uh, carry the computer over to their house for the weekend. And from that, I got a referral to the, the help desk at that company, um, like actually doing tech support for the employees. Cause I think like probably 2000 people worked at this company and they needed like internal tech people to go around and like, you know, you can't log in or you have a hardware issue. And so I went from making like eight bucks an hour in customer service to like immediately doubling that, uh, wow. just in a year. And I'm like, this is amazing. You know, tech is finally paying off for me. And I just kept kind of going down that road until I decided to like go to school I went, I went to uh, college and majored in like computer science. And then I start doing like uh, building websites on the side. And I was way, I was making way more money than like my professors were. I knew it. Like the amount of money that I could charge to build somebody a website. I was like, why? I don't even need a degree. Nobody cares if you have a degree, if you can actually build the thing. And I don't plan on working for other people my whole life. So why don't I just offer this thing, this service to companies and people that want websites. And I just did that. And then I kind of just, it kept going from there. I did bounce around from different jobs doing software engineering and then eventually just built it up to a point where I could do it on my own and yeah, just kind of carried it out from there. It was like a, what, 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 you know, what year was, were, were you building those websites in school? I was doing it since, uh, let's see, the first time I got paid to do that was for this lady in my town when I was 16 and that was like very little pay, but it was something. And then I think. It was 2000 and probably four or five when I actually was making like decent money building sites for people randomly. And then back then there weren't a lot of people doing it. So I would get referrals, you know, somebody's like, Oh, I heard you built this website. Can you do one for me? And I didn't charge like crazy agency type fees. Um, I remember I worked for an agency once I was the one building the site. So I know how much like goes into it. And I know what they were charging the client. They charged the client $30,000 to build a website that I would have done for like three grand, you know? Wow. And I'm seeing this. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And I'm missing out on so much. And I quit the next day, actually. 
um, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this on my own. And my boss was a dick. That's actually why. But, um, I was like, I, that's, that gave me the confidence to go off on my own and do stuff. That's so funny. You just reminded me of a story. When I graduated college, I, um, I got a, you know, Robert Half and Associates. Yeah, actually they got me that job. Oh shit. Okay. So yeah. Robert Half hired me. I had a degree in accounting and this is 2000 and they give me a job working for, I don't remember it was for some company and, and I'm doing accounting work and they're paying me 11 bucks an hour. I have a bachelor's degree. Mm. They pay me 11 bucks an hour. And, and now the thing is, is when you're in accounting and you're doing $11 an hour accounting work, your job is to go do all their AP and AR. Like I'm doing all their, I'm like basically handling all their payables and receivables. Yeah. So I see the, 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 the Robert half invoice for me and they're billing me out at like 40 bucks an hour. <laughs> and wow. so I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, I thought maybe 20 or something, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, maybe they're paying me 14 bucks an hour. It was, they're paying me 14. So, they're charging, charging the client 40. Yeah. And I was like, um, I'm the one doing all the work. Mm-hmm. This is insanity. Yep. And so the, the, so at the end of the week, they're like, you have to turn in your hours. And I said, I'm not turning in my hours. And they're like, what do you mean you're not turning in your hours? And I'm like, oh, I'm not turning in my hours. You guys are only paying me 14. You're making 40. I'll turn in my hours if you pay me 30. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, we can't bill the client if you don't turn in your hours. I'm like, I worked zero hours then. <laughs> and, <laughs> wow. And I held their, I held their invoice hostage. I was really? like, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm like, I didn't care. I was living at home with my mom. I was just uh-huh. like, the principles of it pissed me off. And I was yeah. like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I'll take zero. I don't need the money. I don't, I live at home with my mom. I'm 22. Wow. Like, and so anyway, they just mailed me my check. <laughs> oh, so they still paid you the 14 an hour? Yeah, I think they just yeah. hit the client. They, they got pissed. And they're yeah. like, what do you mean? We've never had anyone do this ever. And I said, yeah, yeah so what? Like, <laughs> I, have a, I spent four years in college for you to underpay me and overcharge for me. Yeah. Fuck that. Yep. I was, uh, anyway, you just reminded me of that. But Yeah, man. Hey, folks. Darius Mershazade here from The Greatness Machine, your go-to podcast for unlocking your full potential. Now, you've heard me talk about the power of effective communication, right? It's the key to amplifying your influence, engaging others, and really making your mark in the world well. Well, hold on to your hats because I have something special for you today. Economist Education has rolled out a game-changing course on business writing and storytelling that's going to take your communication skills to the next level. Picture this. Economist Education provides online executive education courses built on the expertise and analytical rigor of the economist itself. These aren't your run-of-the-mill classes, folks. We're talking about two to six weeks online programs designed to empower business professionals like you to thrive in a changing world and workplace. These courses feature senior editors from The Economist and invited experts who dish out the insights on the latest developments in the business world. It's like having a VIP pass to the forefront of knowledge. When you sign up, you get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. But here's the kicker, my friends. Get 15% off any course from The Economist Education exclusively available through my URL, education.economist.com forward slash greatness and don't forget to enter the promo code greatness at registration to unlock your discount this offer ends on march 31st so you better hustle if you want to seize this opportunity now don't wait until it's too late so for 15 percent off any course from the economist education head over to education.economist.com forward slash greatness right now and use the promo code greatness at registration your future self will thank you for it now when you're hiring for small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When I needed to expand my team, I wanted more than just resumes. I wanted quality professionals who were the perfect fit for our culture and goals. And LinkedIn Jobs delivered just that. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidate within 24 hours. They understand the challenges small businesses face, which is why they're constantly innovating to make the hiring process easier. And just recently, LinkedIn launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions in a snap. Trust me, I've used it. It's like having a personal assistant to guide you through the process, making it quicker and more efficient than ever before. And let me tell you, it made all the difference. With LinkedIn's help, I've been able to attract top talent and build a team that's truly exceptional. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash greatness. That's linkedin.com forward slash greatness to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Um, so, so, so how did you transition from building? I mean, obviously you're building websites. How did you transition from that into the, the watch club? I'd love to hear that story. So, um, I kind of got into advertising also just because I would be, I'd build stuff for myself and I didn't have money to like, you know, hire an agency to advertise it for me. So I had to learn all this stuff on my own. And so I slowly kind of learned like Google ads and Facebook marketing and all that. And I was doing some ads, I actually really liked advertising and I was good at it. So I got to do that for some clients as well. But, um, my, uh, so with watch gang, my dad, uh, he passed in 2006 and I had gifted him a watch like the year prior when I first started doing kind of well financially. Um, and he, uh, he died. I got his watch back and I kind of took some months off just to kind of like think about what, I, what it is, you know, it makes you face your own like mortality and what you want to do. And sure. Yeah, are you are you proud of the work you're doing and all this? And I was just sitting around one day and I got on uh, Namecheap. I was looking for inspiration for like creating another business. And I was wearing my dad's watch and I, I was like, I wonder if I can make something around watches, you know? And I started thinking about it and I start typing names into Namecheap. I think it was like the second one that I typed in, watchgang.com. And it was available. And the at, uh, the Instagram handle was also available. I'm like, this is cool. This is a good sign. And so I just registered both. And I, I'm like, okay, what's the business now? Right. And I, I'm thinking, uh, I, you know, I don't want to just have an e-com club. I really like the recurring business model idea, the recurring revenue. So I'm like, I'll just curate watches for people. They'll, they'll make a collection and I'll do a giveaway aspect as like a hook. It'll be fun. I'll build a community. I'll give away a Rolex. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I had the idea, I put up an Instagram, um, profile and then I didn't spend any money advertising. I, I built a quick website and I got a sale that day from somebody that had seen the Instagram account through like a hashtag, one of my posts. And I was shocked. Like that hadn't happened to me before. I always had to like spend money advertising to get the initial kind of ball rolling. And so I was like, well, let me throw up like a $20 a day Facebook ad and I got sales off of it. And, you know, having a customer acquisition cost under 20 bucks was crazy, you know? So I'm like, let me crank it. And I, and so I'm, I'm like increasing the spend and sales just keep coming in. And I had no watches, no packaging. I had nothing. And so now I you have customers. Are, but how, so wait, whose watches were you selling? Well, at this point I was selling the service, which had to ship out three weeks from the moment that they were buying. So I'm like, okay, I better hit stop on this ads and figure out how to sell a watch to these 253 people that just signed up. So I had 253 customers and I had no products. And so I stopped all advertising and my business model was basically we ship once a month on the 16th of the month. So I stopped the ads around like the third week of the month prior. And I'm like, all right, wait, wait. Yeah. So let, hold on, let's back up because I, yeah. I I, I want to make sure I'm. Uh, uh, so by the way, what what type of watch was the watch that you you had give, gifted to your dad? So he was born in 1953. I bought him a 1953 Rolex Oyster Perpetual. Oh, cool! I have yeah. a 1966 Oyster Perpetual that my nice. brother gave gave me. For, That's cool. We, when, when our first business was successful, nice. Um, my my wife now has it, but yeah, it's cool. So so that's a, cool. that's a cool watch. Yeah. So um. So your your dad, you you got this Rolex. You decided to start this like this subscription service, and was it where they would like get a watch every month? Tell us yeah. a little about yeah. That. So it was twenty nine bucks a month. The business model was twenty nine dollars a month. You get a watch in the mail that you keep, and I'm curating it for you based on like your preferences, like your personality type, things like that. So if you tell me you're like an outdoors guy, I go find you like a hiking watch or something like a field watch, and. I, that was the business model. I didn't have watches. I just had the website up with the ability to process credit card payments. And so, so they're, so they're signing up. They're like, Oh, this looks cool. I want to watch a month. Can yeah. they return them or no? no I didn't take trade? returns. I didn't, because like, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hey, this is a mystery club. You know, it's like a, oh. it's like a surprise for yourself. You have no clue what you're getting. You just know that it's something that hopefully you'll like based on what I think you'll like, you know, I'm curating it. So, so 20, 29.99 a month, they sign up. You get 20, 253 people to sign up for 30 bucks. They sign, I guess they pay the first 30 bucks. Is that yep, right? Exactly. Yep. 
So at this point, you've made seventy eight thousand bucks, and you're like, "Oh shit, I gotta go find the two. I gotta go get two hundred fifty three watches that yep. make sense financially." To exactly, away. exactly. So okay, so, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, so, I'm up to speed now. Yeah. So now I have the customers. I have no product. So no more ads. You know, I turn the ads off, and now I'm like, I have about three weeks to create a like a packaging experience. Um, the you know, how do I want this to be presented to my customer? What kind of watches? So naturally, I'm thinking, all right, well, I have to profit, right? So I'm looking for watches that are less than thirty dollars. Twenty to twenty-five dollars was my aim, uh, just to get going. I went to TJ Maxx, Amazon. I'm buying watches from everybody based on this, like the these customers that you know they told me their preferences. Some like leather, some like metal. So I do that, and I I handwrite a letter to everybody, telling them like, thank you for you know subscribing. Really appreciate you taking a chance with us. I hope you like what I got you. And uh, probably 30% of those people fucking hated what I got them. Not because of the watch <laughs> I sent them, but because they Google it and they're like, I, I paid you 30. This watch is on Amazon for like 26 bucks. Why? And I'm like, well, because I curated it for you. Like I have to make money, right? And the resounding answer that I got, which makes total sense. They're like, well, sure okay there's some value in it but like i could just research it and go on amazon and get it myself and it's cheaper and i'm thinking about this and i i'm getting enough of that feedback where i then have a light bulb moment. and my light bulb moment was if i partner with brands rather than buying direct from like amazon where i'm never going to get a real discount enough to profit i can partner with a brand there's this marketing aspect for them where I've, i'm going to have enough people wearing their watches and i'm doing like a wholesale deal where i buy them in bulk and then I make money. And I, I called a bunch of brands. I finally found one in New York. I flew to Brooklyn and I bought, I think my first order with them was like a thousand or 1500 watches. And they made me come meet them in person because they didn't believe that I actually was going to buy that many watches from them. So they wouldn't take my money. They wouldn't ship until I came to meet them. And I did. And I got their watches. Those went over really well. And I, you know, I took them home, uh, or I had them shipped home. They're in my garage. I'm shipping out of my, my garage. And those went over very well because those watches cost $90 online. I got them for $15 and my customers paid 30. Everybody won in that scenario. I profited. Right. I had a 50, 50% gross margin. That company, I don't know what they were making their watches for, but clearly more or less than $15. So I, they made money. My customers got a watch they liked and it was worth more than they paid. And it was like off to the races from there. And then my marketing was able to scale. Interesting. Wow. So what was the, can you name, tell us the name of the, the name brand of that brand? That was so and co. And so were these brands that they knew or didn't like less known brands or, or generally like, in the beginning? Like, yeah. They were all micro brands. Like, I mean, I had no clue starting the company, but now, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of brands available to sell worldwide. Like all have interesting stories. Some of them are just owned by larger conglomerates. Um, but there's so many to choose from and so many interest. It's like art, like so many small pieces that are like have intricate details that you'd never hear about. And I'm able to discover them and then bring them to a, a larger audience. So are you, so are you every month you're curating a new watch for everyone? Is that, is that how the, the subscription works? Uh, yeah. And still today um, now it's just, we have different levels, like uh, depending on your, um, your desire for a higher end watch, a more well-known brand. Like we, we work with big brands now as well. So, so yeah, so tell us the scale story. So, so, so now you figured out, okay, cool. I, I can't just like go and get them what they can get and, and, you know, arbitrage four bucks. Yeah. I got to go get something that costs more than 30 bucks. Yep. They make profit. So, you know, that might vary depending on the, the, the watch you get, but what was your target after that? Like, okay, I, I don't want to pay more than 20 or 25 bucks and, and prefer, preferably. Yeah. 15 bucks was that kind of your range i wanted a 50 percent margin but a lot of times if it meant working with a bigger brand or a really cool piece i would take a less margin because i knew it was good for my customers which was be would be good for me long term so yeah so, I, I would, so yeah. you might you might break even on a month or make a little profit but and by the way people do this by the way in the nightclub business they'll they'll bring in like big name djs 
that they literally make zero dollars on that night just because they want that brand halo effect where yeah. it's like, oh, dude, those guys get this badass. I'm going to stay, yep. keep going here. Totally. Right? So you're I mean, going for the halo effect. I of did like that real- so many times. You know, there were several months where I lost money because I had the opportunity to work with a great brand like Citizen, for instance. They they worked with me about six months after I founded the company and I lost money on those watches. But I was like more than happy to take that loss up front in order to be like, look at this. We got Citizen. We're a legitimate you know, uh, uh, service here in the industry. People value the marketing that comes uh, with the eyeballs of all of our customers. You know. And so, so Citizens, how much did that watch cost you? I think all in with everything, that watch was probably 104 bucks. But this was when I had a secondary offering of $99 for uh, what was called our black tier. We introduced that a few months later where you, if you want like a, a better watch, not just like a fashion brand, then you, you pay 99 and you get, you get a, a better watch. And so, so you, you're, you're probably losing, not including time, you know, five or 10 bucks a watch yeah. once you ship it out and all that yeah. plus time and energy and mm-hmm. marketing and all that stuff. So you're, yep. so you're, so yeah, it's a loss leader, but it's also a subscription service. So yeah. you could lose money on one watch and you make it up over the next 10 watches. Exactly. Right? Is that kind of the way you thought about yeah. it? Yeah, for sure. And, and so, so tell, so, so, you know, what was surprising me is like, you know, you guys have done what over $300 million of revenue. What's like your, been your biggest year revenue wise? We had close to 50 million prior to, I think, right, or was it prior to COVID or the year of COVID? I think it was the year prior to COVID. Um, no, no, actually, it was the year after COVID. And uh, so COVID was awful for us, obviously. Like, you know, yeah, everybody's stuck no at home. Watches. Yeah, and I'm like, who's going outside, not, you know, wearing a watch? Who's even going outside? Why do they want to wear a watch in their living room? Luckily, right. I mean, we, we did have a, a scary month where our sales dropped by like almost half in one month. And I'm like, that's it. This was a fun ride, you know, but um, luckily we had this community and people still wanted watches. You know, the initial scare of COVID stopped people from renewing their subscription. But then after that, okay, everybody's more or less fine. Like this is not going to be forever. People bought watches and they shared them online rather than sharing them in person with their friends. And so we were able to grow a bit through there. And then the year I'm talking about, we had a crazy year. We were like the lead sponsor for the UFC, like Conor McGregor fight. Um, that was wildly expensive, but we ended up like making some money on that uh, through our partnership with the UFC. And yeah, and then now, I mean, we've leveled off and declined even a little over the last couple of years because the, I, I don't know if you have had any experience or talked to people with the iOS update kind of screwing up marketing for people. Oh, um, iOS. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. we're talking about, are we talking? You know, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I had a, I had like a, 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 a business I launched where I was helping people scale their companies through like a, like essentially a mastermind. And I, and I, I was bringing in leads into like a funnel and it went from like crushing into like literally like broke breaking. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah. So I, I had to turn it off. I was like, this doesn't make yep. any sense. We went from, I think this was in May or June of uh, 2021. And when iOS uh, 14, I think it was, came out, and it, it basically crushed advertisers because you couldn't effectively advertise to people with retargeting anymore. And our our sales went from the highest we ever had in this month to the lowest we'd had since like month three of the business within three or four months. Like the, wow. the decline was insane. And it's because we couldn't replace customers at an effective cost. It was costing us three times as much as it was to, to acquire a customer. It just wasn't profitable wow. for us to keep scaling. And so we didn't scale. We just actually started like, Hey, all right, we got to tighten up. Cause I was, I was staffed for a, for a company that was going to do like 60, $70 million in sales that year. And right. so we had to like, we had to like cut headcount, which sucked. I absolutely hate doing that. Um, cause I had never really had to do that. The only time I had a, I'd ever had to fire somebody was due to like performance. And, uh, you know, that sucks too. That hit me as well. But like laying off someone, cause I'm like, I felt like I failed as a leader and the company couldn't like support them anymore. That was awful. Um, yeah. So there, man. yeah. Many times. Yep. So how how big was the headcount then when you guys were at sixty or seventy? We probably had forty five or fifty internal, and then yeah. a couple dozen contractors. Yeah, so so that's a real business. And were you as remote or in one location? We were all in 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 person. We had a we had a 
amazing office, a whole building in Los Angeles. I loved coming to work. It was incredible. Um, this was, uh, this was right before COVID hit and then COVID did the lockdown and then we never went back to work really after that. Um, yeah, we have, we have a warehouse now, but now the only people that really work in the office are people that have to touch a physical product and ship it. So, so yeah. So like many people you, you, and, and probably it sounds like your age groups, a lot of, you know, the millennial, like yeah. gen, gen, gen Z. So the, the, they're, it's tougher to get them back in the office, especially you live in LA. It's a pitch to get in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now the business is leveled off. What, what's your, what are your plans for the business uh, from a scale perspective? What are your thoughts? Now I don't care about scale at all. I mean, I was going public that year. I was being underwritten by a major um, bank and uh, PE firm. And we were, we were like, I don't know, month away from filing. And when this iOS update hit us, you know, our sales start declining like rapidly. And they're like, we should probably hit the brakes on this because now it looks like a, you know, it's not a good investable business now. I'm like, I totally get it. So who, I who have, is your who is your banker? Which banker raw, did you guys use? Raw. Okay. And 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 so you were you gonna do a SPAC? Is that or are you guys gonna use a SPAC vehicle? Yeah, that? yeah, we were. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So yeah, man. I, hey, look, dude, you're talking to somebody that literally almost turned his company into Virgin Money with the Branson family. So wow. like, it's it, it, it's part of business, you know. You yep. you win some, you lose some. Yep. You know, sometimes you uh, don't go public, and sometimes you get on the phone with the Chinese billionaire and don't even know it. You know. Yeah. Totally. So uh, hey, so I've I've been around the block a few times. Yeah. I never get excited. I never get excited till the deal's done. Yeah, I get know? that. So I'm, uh, I've it had... sucks. It does suck. And, you know, I've had term sheets that I turned down in like year three, four, where I'm like, oh, why would I take this? We're growing so fast. We're going to go public or we'll get acquired by some major, you know, group um, for way more than this. And, you know, looking back, obviously now I'm like, that would have been cool if I had done that. Yeah, had had we been buddies, I would have been like, take the money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would have, I would have beaten in your head. I'm like, listen, man, Times sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. When when you get a real offer in your hand and it, and it can have a meaningful effect on your life, probably should take it. Yeah. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yep. So, so that's that. That's just how it goes. So so right now it's like just kind of the, the it's chugging along. Yeah. Uh, what's the idea? About, I only care about profitability right now and the quality of the product and the service that we're providing, which we're revamping that whole thing. You know, be, because of the way that I told you we started and scaled you know you're missing things along the way. It's like changing sure. the, the wheels on a car while you're driving on the highway. And so for the past six months, we've been very like specific and intentional with the next offering that we're coming out with, which comes out this summer, which I'm super excited about. And that's something that we've been building behind the scenes without launching it first, like making sure it's polished. And I, yeah, now the next iteration of this company is truly best product offering and service profitability only i don't care anymore about like i'm not trying to build just to build like to scale just to scale before i only wanted the most revenue possible did not care about losing money because hey i'm gonna sell i'm gonna go public i don't care about profitability until year 10 or whatever very different now you know now i have to personally deal with that so it needs to be profitable ever walked into a place and instantly felt drawn in by the scent let me share a recent shopping experience it was a crisp morning and i decided to browse through a new store that had just opened in the neighborhood. As I stepped inside, a refreshing scent of citrus and pine greeted me, instantly lifting my mood and making me feel welcome. As I explored the aisles, the pleasant aroma lingered, enhancing my shopping experience and making it more enjoyable. It made me realize how much scent can influence our perception of a store and how it can make a difference in our overall experience. For stores using scent strategically, that can help them stand out from the competition and create a welcoming environment that keeps customers coming back. If you've ever been in a Banana Republic, Abercrombie, Marriott, or Weston, you know how fragrance can take your experience from good to incredible. Scent Air guided stores, hotels, event spaces, and other businesses in creating fragrance experiences that encourage customers to spend more, stay longer, and leave them happier, ultimately enabling businesses to stand out among their competitors. The secret behind scent marketing is that it's more than just filling your space with a nice scent. Scent Air is proven to increase earned revenue up to 9%, keep customers in your business up to 18% longer, and boost customer satisfaction up to 20% more. Give customers an experience they won't forget with Scent Air's professional quality fragrances designed for businesses just like yours. Go to scentair.com forward slash greatness to learn how you can save 25% off your first Whisper Max diffuser and explore other great deals today.
Yep. Revenue is vanity. Profitability is sanity. There you go. So I like that. It, it, but, but yeah, you know, you're also in your, in your thirties, right? So, so, and so you're basically, you, you've learned and yeah. it's not to say like, I look, man, I, my first business I had, I grew to 10 million in revenue and this is in the early two thousands in like three years. And wow. I was, all I cared about was hitting 10 million in revenue. Yep. And then, and, 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 and I would kill for it. And then, and then the business imploded and I just, mm. I shut it down eventually. And, and then, and I did, I almost, I was like, I, I was annualizing for 10 million and then the market imploded in <laughs> 07. My next business hit 200 million in revenue, you know? Wow. Like I learned what, a lot. What business was that? It was called TMS, the money source. So it was a large uh, B2B mortgage lender. And so I was CEO of the company. We did 200 million a year in revenue. Over per year? Seven years straight. Per year, yeah. Holy shit! I got up to, I I stepped down uh, and sold my interest and and but I built the whole thing yeah. and they did five hundred million in a year in COVID. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, they crushed and, and those wild. are all my former my former partners. So, dude, I built a really big business before. I yeah. had a thousand employees. I had a thousand W two employees when I was CEO. Holy shit! Um, so, so I, everything I say is not because I'm smart. It's because I've got my ass kicked. Yeah. You know, and and I've learned. Yep. And, and so, you know, it's just one of those things, right? Like you, you live and learn and you get better. And, and so it's, it, there's nothing you can do, but, but, you know, like, I think what you're doing right now makes a lot of sense and, and I'm excited for you. So tell me a little bit about the offering. I know we're, we're running low on time here, but yeah. the offering, the, the new offering, what kind of products, who's it for? Let's let's uh, for our listeners out here that love watches, by the way, what is the name of a person who's obsessed with watches? There's a special, special name for them. Like it's someone that's like a yeah, watch, watch nerd. Marker. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's, there's like a cool name. It's like a, a something file. You know what I'm oh, talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name of it. Oh, we gotta look it up. So I have a buddy. Okay, I, I'm not gonna name who he is, but he's, he's. This guy's like, like the real deal. Holy field. Like most successful dude I know. Yeah. Right. Venture capitalist. Like, I mean, like I, I, I feel uncomfortable because you might hear even describing him. But I'm gonna say, like, if you were to like me, it's like you know, have you ever watched the TV, the movie, the TV show Billionaires? Yeah. Billionaire. Yeah. Axe Capital. Yeah. It's like that. Billions, like like billions, like yeah. Billions. Sorry, billions. Yeah. He's like Axe. Oh, okay. But but he's like this humble dude that's like kind of like chill, and then you find out, and you're like, what? And so and and he loves watches a mm. lot. And, and, and so he has like this insane watch collection. And, and so he had this, this health scare that happened to him that affected his blood. And he got, and he went to Switzerland and got a watch made. Like when he, like, the, like literally it was like a life threatening deal. He had to like do some version of chemo. They had like his, they had to replenish his blood. It was like gnarly. It took years. It was a near death experience. And it was all because something was wrong with his blood. So in honor of that, when he, when he healed, he survived. He went and made his own watch in Switzerland. And in the face of the watch are holograms of his blood. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. He, every time I see him, he has a new watch on. So watch file. What's it called? So what, he, he told me, he, he's like, oh, I'm out this. And he said it. He said it. And I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, oh, it's, anyway, it's. It's a uh, shit. Come on. I got to look it up here. Oh man. Uh, I don't uh, want to ruin the show. Yeah. Okay. Something. It's like a something. It's like a, uh, just killing me, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. No worries. File? I don't know. Yeah. Man. Something. It's something like that. Oh. It's like someone that's like a, obsessed with watch watches. Uh, lo- watch lover called. Let's see. A horologist. That's see, what was, it is. I was going to say horologist, but a horologist is somebody who studies watches generally in the industry of watches, like not a consumer of them. Oh, he's both. He okay. studies watches and he's a lover of what he called himself a horologist when I met him. Okay. And, I, and, and I'm like, did you say a whore? No, <laughs> yeah. <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, tell us the future, the future of, of your business. I want to hear all about it. Uh, so it's essentially a, uh, it's a more intentional version of what we have right now where we work with very specific partners to build uh, like it's called the journey. And the journey is essentially like we know you intimately what you like, what your lifestyle is like, and you get watches based on that. You get a set number of them. You unlock things along the way. So let's say on your third watch, you're getting a a watch roll that holds the three that we gave you so you can travel with them. Maybe on the fourth one, you get a winder and it's an automatic watch and we teach you about automatic movements. This is like content and education with a watch to go along with it to show you like this is the core collection that every man should have and why. 
and it, it plays into like your lifestyle. So if you're more active, uh, you'll get more sport type watches, for instance. Um, if you have specific activities that you um, are interested in, like hiking or diving, you will get a diving watch. You will get a field watch, right? From a brand that is like well-known, well-reviewed. Um, it's We're very excited about it. It's going to be a very cool thing. It's almost like a passport you unlock for for the watch world. Awesome, man. So um, we're running out of time here, so I wanted to, to end strong. Let's. I want to do two things. First of all, I want to end with our greatness question. And then number two, I'd love to you to educate the audience on how they can learn more about Watch Gang and about the new products and hook up with you guys to participate in the stuff that you're doing. Does that cool. work for you, Matt? Yeah, of course. Matthew? Thank Excuse you. Me. Yeah. All, all right. So greatness questions coming along. What is the number one barrier to creating greatness that you've overcome in your life and how did you overcome it? I think that uh, when you come from a background like mine, it's probably easy to fall into this victimhood mentality where you kind of lean on that for the reason why you're not succeeding, why you're in a place in your life that isn't great and something you're not proud of. And I certainly had elements of that growing up until I realized that nobody was coming to save me. And I had to figure that out for myself. And I don't know what it is that gives people the fortitude or the motivation to do those things, but I found it through the desire just to escape the reality that I was in. And I did it by way of becoming an entrepreneur and creating sort of my own reality here. And I would recommend that for anybody. You know, I think that knowing that you are the only one responsible for your success, no matter where you started, is the first step in kind of creating the reality that you want. I love it, man. Oh man, what a fun episode. I, I love, first of all, before the episode started, Matthew's like, can I ask you questions? I'm like, fuck yeah, you can ask me <laughs> questions. And I, so I knew going in, that I could, I could share more today, but, um, man, what a fun episode. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate every, this, this is a lot of fun hanging out with you and, um, I'm really pumped about the business, you know, like, you. like you've been through a lot of cool stuff. You've learned a lot and I'm excited to see, uh, where Watch King goes and you go as a CEO, man, as an entrepreneur. Thanks a lot. It's good, good, Thank good you. to see there's guys out there like like you and people out there like you that are building some cool businesses. So uh, congratulations, and we're looking forward to and We're rooting for you here at The Greatness Machine. Thanks. Thanks for having uh, me on. You're welcome, man. So, hey, listen, let's plug. Anyone that wants to hook up with you to get become part of The Watch King to learn more about your offerings, how, do, how can they hook up? Uh, watchgang.com. On Instagram, we're at Watchgang. And uh, I'm uh, on Instagram at M-A-T-T-O-M-I-C, at Matomic. Matomic. All right, we'll make sure we put all that stuff in the show notes. My friend, so much gratitude here. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Anyone who's listening to this, if you want to just, look, look, this is a great entrepreneurial story, lots of lessons learned. Share this with anyone that needs to learn more about how to be a better entrepreneur and anyone that wants to learn more about watches. Oh, quick question. What is your favorite type of watch brand now? I'm going to say for the, for the value and everything that comes with it, Oris. And what's your, and what's your like dream watch? Like you get to like no blank check watch. Patek minute repeater. All right. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to, uh, how do you feel about like, um, ceramic Panerai? It has its place in the world. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, Matthew, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. I appreciate you. you. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Peace out. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one.
Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet. With fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at the price you'll like, delivered right to your door. Don't let recipe boredom strike because HelloFresh has more options than ever before. Dig into your biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. As someone who's always on the go, the convenience of having delicious and nutritious meals delivered right to my doorstep has been a game changer. I'll never forget the first time I tried HelloFresh, the excitement of unboxing fresh ingredients and the joy of cooking up a restaurant-quality meal in my own kitchen. It felt like I had my own personal chef minus the hefty price tag. What really hooked me was the variety of recipes they offer. From exotic cuisines to classic comfort food, HelloFresh keeps my taste buds dancing. And the best part, no more last-minute grocery runs or wasted ingredients. Everything I need is right in the box. Ready to join America's number one meal kit family? Dive into a world of flavor with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash great free and use the code great free that's G-R-E-A-T-F-R-E-E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash great free with code great free. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.